Join the Geek Therapy Discord server, which is without a doubt the most active community space we have right now. Get your invitation at geektherapy.com slash discord. Welcome to GT Radio on the Geek Therapy Network. My name is Oso Cardona, and I'm joined by Lauren Keller. Yo. Brandon Saxton. Hello. And Lara Taylor. Hey. Last week, we talked about video game violence, and I mentioned that we're all mental health, psychology, and professionals who are also into gaming. Almost hesitate to say that we're gaming professionals, too. I think we're gaming experts. So I thought we should dive a a little deeper into that. Like, what do we do? (laughs) And what do you all want to be when you grow up? I think it's important. I think it's a big part of the the geek therapy story. A big part of the narrative at the beginning was I was trying to find people who were using their geeky interests in interesting ways to help people. Of course, in my case, that was as a therapist. I was using comic books, video games, pop culture to work with clients. And I, I found a lot of other people. And that's like... That's basically how we ended up really building a community. But it extends beyond just mental health professionals and psychologists. It, it really extends, or the, the idea at the beginning, right, what is, was exploring that in, in all areas where people would be considered helping professionals. So I'm really curious to have this conversation because we're at different uh, levels. Right? Like right now, Lara just started a new job two days ago. Mm-hmm. Brandon recently graduated and Lauren is in the process of (laughs) getting closer to someday graduating. We're all leveling up. (laughs) I love how you presented that, Josue. Lara leveled up. Brandon leveled up. Lauren is like... She's getting that XP. She's, she's grinding. grinding. She's grinding. She's grinding. <laughs> I am grinding hard, y'all. Almost to the level bar. Just loads of fetch quests. That's what graduate school is. If anybody's got any uh, like double XP items you can <laughs> share with me, that would be so great. <laughs> at, at this point, I mean, if we're, if we're going with the metaphor, at this point, I'm prestiging like mm. a fourth time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and we can, we can get... Uh, into that later but Lara how, how's your first week as an outpatient therapist it's very different <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so so th- this is awesome right because before you were doing you were a therapist but you were doing the type of work that you never see on tv most people don't assume that a therapist would do work like that I have uh, experience like that too so so like how different in what ways is it different So before I was doing in-home-based services, well, not just in-home-based, but primarily in-home-based and then in the community So I would, or in the school. So I'd go to my clients and I'd see one or two clients for about 15 to 20 hours each a week, very intensive services. Um, These are kids that sometimes they didn't want the services. Usually they would tolerate me because I I would do fun things with them, but they didn't really want therapy they wanted someone to hang out with and i can spin someone to hang out with into therapy but we would i would go to the house i would help coach parents on parenting i would go to the school help coach the kids on how to participate in class and how to self-soothe and i'd even go in the community take them to the movies take them to the park that kind of thing this i'm in an office of my own (laughs) with clients for 50 minutes at a time all day, four days a week. (laughs) And they want to be in therapy. (laughs) What a concept. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Makes a big difference. (laughs) It makes a big difference. It's exciting. It's also different because most of the clients I've seen so far, well, all the clients I've seen so far are older. They're all adults. A lot of them are college age. Some of them are older than me, which is very interesting because I worry that they're going to look at me. I'm in my mid-30s, and I could pass for 16 if I wanted to, (laughs) uh, if I really wanted to. I don't think that's true, but... (laughs) Oh, it is true. When I went to Hamilton last night, my wife and I both were asked if we were there after school, if we came straight from school. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. So, believe it. (laughs) That's right, everybody. We're all a bunch of 
babies. Mm-hmm. Babies. <laughs> All of us. Babies. So I do worry about that with, with older clients uh, or clients that are older than me thinking that I don't know what I'm talking about. So far this week, everyone's been really receptive to what I have to say. Uh, when I go over how my approach to therapy, they're very open. Even the people that don't necessarily have something like quote unquote geeky, but they everybody geeks out on something. But they're interested and, and like the idea that I want to bring in their passions and, and what they love, whatever it is, into treatment. And it's exciting to have people excited about that and that I can be transparent with my approach to. Yeah, when, when I was a therapist at first, I did a lot of uh, in-home and community work too. I, I supervised a team. So we would work with uh, different families and, and I would have two team members who would do a lot of the social skills and parenting and uh, sibling stuff. I would do the therapy, the um, couples counseling. I would go to the schools. It was like, it's very, like it was, it was in home, at least uh, in different states, they call it different things, but it was, it was in home therapy. And then later on I did outpatient also. And then I, I eventually had my own private practice and yeah, that's the biggest difference when people want to get help versus social services is forcing them to, or strongly suggested it mm-hmm. or uh, mm-hmm. it's the courts or it's a, you know, Family, or like you said, kids who who they're not there by by choice. I don't know. It's a uh, it's hard work, but yeah, it's like a very big um, spectrum of stuff. Uh, what what are you doing now, Brandon? Now that you're you're all grown up. Well, now that I'm finally all grown up, <laughs> I'm currently doing my my postdoctoral psychology residency. So I'm completely done with school. I have my PhD in clinical psychology, and the state of Minnesota requires that you do one year of full-time clinical work after you complete your degree before you can become a licensed psychologist. So I'm working through the licensing kind of application right now and and just working on that year of of postdoctoral clinical work. Um, So I'm working at the same agency, which is a nonprofit community mental health agency, where I did my year-long pre-doctoral internship. So all that's really changed for me since graduating is I have a new degree and a new title and a whole pile of new responsibilities and a new level of independence too, I guess. Um, so it's it's been a bit of an adjustment for me. Um, I like the place that I work quite a bit. I've worked in psychiatric research settings and private practice settings and, and community mental health settings. And I think this is, it's a good place to work. It's pretty high needs clients. Um, I exclusively work with people who are on like Minnesota MA. So it's, it's people who, who are pretty high needs. Um, but I like it though. It's, it's been interesting. I think the thing that I've, I've been really grappling with and, and the three of you know this, I've talked to you a bit about it is kind of the change in identity that I've gone through. So I've just finished my 10th year of college and I've identified as a student for a very long time. And I've kind of belonged in academia. And even when I was on the job market, I had an academic job offer and I had clinical job offers and I didn't know who do I want to be and what identity do I want to pursue and what do I want to do when I get older? And, and I still grapple with that a lot and just wondering, you know, what is, what am I going to feel the most fulfilled doing and what am I going to feel the most uh, happiness kind of doing and in what position or in what kind of job setting do I have the greatest capacity to make some kind of positive difference or positive impact um, just on the people who I'm around and the people I work with. So that's been a lot for me to sort of just cognitively grapple with recently is that change in identity and, and a lot of the change in responsibilities too. My caseload is really cranked up quite a bit here and I've taken on a lot more leadership roles, um, which is, it's been new for me. I, I'm still really dealing with trying to have the level of confidence in myself that the people around me um kind of seem to have for me. I think there's just, in some of these new positions I have, there's just a certain amount of 
kind of respect or or deference that comes with that and i don't always feel like i'm i'm up to the up to the mantle sort of to meet the expectations that these people have or whether or not i sort of deserve the respect that i'm given in some of these positions so it's it's just a lot i really boils down to a lot of imposter syndrome still and a lot of figuring out i mean what's my position in this agency and who am I now that I'm not a student or not a graduate student or not a part of academia? Um, what does that look like and what is that going to be kind of going forward? So we'll, we'll get deeper into your existential crises, <laughs> plural, uh, <laughs> later. Yeah. Uh, as far as clinical work, are you doing outpatient therapy? Yeah, I do outpatient therapy. So I work because I specifically right now I'm working in really kind of rural rural settings. And even like I think of Fargo as being relatively rural and these towns are much, much, much smaller than Fargo. Um, so I because of just the nature of that position, I, I have a bit of a generalist role. So I work with a pretty wide age range, anywhere from four years old to older adult um, with a, a, quite a, a range of presenting problems. And I do outpatient therapy and psychological testing, um, te testing stuff, primarily neurodevelopmental disorders, really specifically um, mm -hmm. ADHD and autism spectrum disorder kind of psyche valves is, is primarily what I do in that area. And people come to your office then? Yes, people come to my office. Yeah, I don't do any work in the community or in home. So is, is your job now anything like you imagined it when you started studying? You know, when I started studying, my intention 100% was to be a professor. Um, so it's much, much different than, than what my expectations <laughs> were when I first started studying. And, and that shift towards really even just considering or being open-minded towards a clinical career happened pretty late in graduate school for me. Probably my you know, my I, I took I was in my PhD program for six years, and I probably didn't really open my eyes to that as a a real honest potential route for me until probably the middle of my third or or beginning of my fourth year, really. Huh. Yeah. So it's it's right now what I'm doing. I really like. It's very challenging, and I feel like I'm still really growing and learning. And I'm trying to be patient with myself and give myself the space to develop the skills and develop the stamina to do this job. But it is a lot different than I expected when I started graduate school. I don't know how often I've talked to you about this, but I used to be an engineer before I became a counselor. So I was a biomedical engineer and I used to work in hospitals with clinicians on the medical side. And I always wanted to study psychology when I was younger, but mm -hmm. my family and my teachers all said, don't do that. Why would you do that? You're good at math. Don't mm -hmm. become a psychologist. You're going to die poor. Sure. And I was like, okay, I can get behind that. <laughs> so, so I became an engineer, uh, made a lot of money, but I was miserable. So I was actually going to school. Like my, my job was paying for me to go to school and they just stopped paying for school. And in the middle of an MBA, I said, I like studying. I like going to school. What if I just study what I always wanted to study? So I looked into it and I decided to get a master's in, in counseling. This so, is a very different host way than the one now who's like, fuck school. Don't go to school. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's the same. It's the same uh, one. I hate school. I, I should, I should probably say that I, I like learning. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I hate school. <laughs> um, I remember like my last semester, I was finishing up an accounting and finance course on a semester uh, schedule while taking my intro to counseling and theories, uh, <laughs> classwork on a trimester uh, schedule while working as an engineer. <laughs> Yuck. Yeah. Uh, I like to, I like to keep busy. So, so I studied counseling and then I, I quit my job and I became a counselor, I got my license and all that. And when I had my private practice, when I started to get these ideas about how, you know what, I'm sick of repeating the same stuff over and over again. Also, like people can't afford my services and, and just all of these existential problems that come with being a therapist and, and, and the way that the system works and insurance and all of these things and wanting to reach more people. 
in my case also, I was working with people who, wherever I was, I was one of the very few bilingual English-Spanish speaking therapists. So I kept thinking of ways that I could help people who could not afford or were very unfamiliar with services. So I started thinking of, and, and here's where the school thing comes in. Like I started thinking about education and educational technology because in the, the way my master's worked was mostly online and I loved it. There were so many things about it where as a student who struggled a lot through when, when he was younger, all of these new things made it so much easier. Like, Oh, I can see the lectures when I'm not exhausted, right? I can see them on my own time. I can repeat them. I can watch a video or I can listen to it. I can alter the speed. I can like, there's all these small things that are really like core to educational technology and how you present information. So I thought, oh, we could, we could apply this to mental health. So that's how, while I had my practice in Charlotte, North Carolina, I started also teaching at a local high school and I used that 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 opportunity to basically it was my, they were my lab rats for all of these educational technology ideas that I had and I started bringing stuff into my practice and then I started getting these crazy ideas and I started practicing coding and then I went to New York and got involved in the educational technology community so I started moving more toward how can we teach mental health or integrate educational technology into mental health to help people but not in the traditional come to therapy for 50 minutes once a week, which I think is a horrible system. It's what we got for the most part, but uh, I have problems with it. And so while I'm doing all this, right, geek therapy is still happening. And geek therapy started when I was counseling intern. So like shortly after engineering, right at the beginning of, of counseling. And it wasn't a few years into that that I, I realized, oh, like, a lot of what we're talking about on Geek Therapy, a lot of what we're doing is media psychology. If I knew media psychology, it would be a lot, um, like, I could use the right terms for, for what I'm doing. Because, like, anyway, I, like it, it's like you know what you're doing, but you don't have the terms for it unless you, you studied it. So many years later, it was really exciting to to talk to Lauren and know that she was going to study media psychology and all this stuff. Because I felt, and when, when you came on, Lauren, I was like, oh, okay, like, we have somebody who can, like maybe speak to some of these things that we've been talking about for years, but like call them by their name. <laughs> so uh, I'm trying to connect the dots here. So that's kind of like where, where I made my third transition into educational technology. And again, like to build the things that I wanted to build and do the things that I wanted to do. It, it included a lot of media. It included a lot of um, coding, education work, stuff like that. That's why I worked for like startups in New York that were doing um, working in education and lots of stuff just uh, <laughs> lots of crazy stuff so I'll stop my story there I'll continue it later <laughs> Lauren how are you doing are you where you thought you would be and where are you going oh <laughs> she's getting sweaty I don't oh, know I'm, I'm so, so sweaty, sweaty. <laughs> that is that is not an exaggeration I am extremely sweaty right now it is quite warm in this room uh, <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where I am. Who, where, who am I? Where, what year is it? Are you still what, in school? Am I still in school? Uh, 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 yes. Yes, I am still in school. I am at the point in my PhD program where I'm done with all of my classes, but I still have a couple more requirements I need to meet. Um, and then I'll be what is colloquially called everything but dissertation and then it'll be dissertation time <laughs> and then I guess I'll be done and then I'll have my huge existential crisis because I have no idea what I want to be when I grow up <laughs> whoa, whoa 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 okay so so why did you choose <laughs> this degree actually wh actually what is your what is your undergrad I got my AA at Cabrillo College in psychology, and then I transferred to John F. Kennedy University, and I got my BA in psychology, and I had every intention of going into clinical and becoming an MFT. That is what I wanted to do. Really? Um, I had like a, you know, shitty situation with my family growing up and lots of interpersonal problems within the family and I was like I had been helped by uh, an MFT and I was like I want to you know give back that that was something really important to me and I want you know I don't want other kids to deal with the same kinds of stuff that I dealt with so I want to do my part to fix that 
Um, you could then, come to work with me, Lauren. It I could have. Great. <laughs> uh, I. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, the 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 turn. The, the zigzag happens um, near the end of my BA. I was uh, given a project where I just needed to write a research paper on whatever I wanted, whatever sounded cool. And I was like, hell yeah, opportunity to talk about video games. And so I was doing some research and I was trying to do, I wanted to write a paper on like how video games are cool, actually. Uh, because uh, as I was doing the research, I kept coming across like, Every piece of video game research was about how video games make you aggressive, video games make you violent, video games make you antisocial, video games make you obese, video games make you hate yourself, and on and on and on. And I was like, this like, this stuff is important to study, obviously, but like, you can't only study the one side. That's not good science. I, where is the other stuff? I mean, I've played video games legit my whole life, and I'm not antisocial, obese, a violent, aggressive person. So clearly there's there's more nuance to this. And where is that research? And I had been talking to my friend about it and uh, they were like, well, why don't why don't you do that? And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so that's when I was like, OK, well, I want to do the research that I want to see in the world. And so I want to do video game research. How do I how do I do that? That's not really an established thing. So when I started looking into grad schools, I was just sort of like, what is the cross section between psychology and video games? So I looked at schools that had both psychology and video game programs, um, though a lot of the video game programs tended to be more around the um, development side of like programming and stuff. And I wanted more the uh, like sociological humanities media side of it um, because I am not very good at programming. But uh, as as I, you know, I, I ended up finding some good research for that paper um, that was really cool and was basically like, that's what I want to do. This research that I found, that's what I want to do. And um, so as, as I was looking for grad programs, um, Fielding Graduate University came up and it was like media psychology, the only Ph.D. media psychology program in the U.S. The, in, in the world. It's cutting edge. And I'm like, whoa, uh, what the heck is that? <laughs> Tell me more. And basically everything I learned about it, I'm like, oh, this is exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to look at the way that media, specifically in my case, video games, impacted people's thoughts and feelings and behaviors and attitudes. And, and that is media psychology. Um, and so <laughs> that's how I ended up there. Um, <laughs> I still want to do video game research, but I also recognize that... Um, it is hard to make money doing that stuff. And um, when I started the program, I was like really excited about the idea of being this like trailblazer. Nobody's ever done like a, a video game, you know, positive video game, PhD, uh, media psychology thing. I will be the first of my kind. And, you know, future students who are interested in things that I'm interested in will, you know, be able to use me as an example that they can they can do the thing too. But uh, you know, now as I'm approaching graduation, I'm like, what the fuck am I gonna do, you guys? Oh God, because I have to make up everything. It's I don't have a roadmap to follow. There aren't really equivalent mentor people I can reach out to. So it's um it's terrifying, but um you know exciting also. Uh, at least I still fucking love what I'm learning about, even if I'm terrified of what's going to happen when I graduate. <laughs> Academia! Woo! <laughs> Do you not know anyone who has a position where you think, that's, I want their job? I mean, they they exist, but in a lot of cases, they are like super niche positions. Like, I know that uh, Valve has in-house research teams but I don't necessarily know that they're doing the kind of research that I want to do about like, you know, pro-social stuff or if they're just like, how do we get people to buy more <laughs> loot boxes? That's, that's, that's um, a big part of it. Yeah, that's a big part of it is a, a lot of the, the video game research because of here I go tooting my horn again because of capitalism. Uh, a lot of the jobs are focused on ways to make more money and make more profit for video game companies and not necessarily uh, to improve people's lives or to improve the quality of video games as as a medium. So, I mean, you know, 
ideally I could get into uh, working in, you know, semi-academic fields doing research through universities, or I could get a job working for a video game company doing you know, research for them, or I could, you know, try and make my own thing and and try and go like the consulting route and sort of be broader about it of like how to get the good word of video games out there. Um, but I don't know, man. It's it's too scary to think about when you <laughs> when you sit in the Slack. You were like, "Let's do this for the next GTR episode," and I'm like, "Cool, I'm going to pretend I didn't read that, and I'm not going to open <laughs> Slack for the next two days, and I'm not going to think about it at all." How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> and this is something that's come up in the Discord for the past few weeks, maybe months. There have been people who have talked about. Uh, going to interviews, going back to school, getting accepted, wanting new jobs, wanting to quit the job that they're at, you know, adult stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is it is something that we don't talk about enough, or at least not as much as we used to on this show, where I was constantly talking about or talking to people when, when I did interviews who were combining their their interests and their their academic knowledge. And... I don't know, I feel like the world has changed a lot since since this show started. So yeah. like right now I'm I'm in the middle of a online program to learn data analytics. So I'm like learning uh Python and that which is a programming language and how to do basically I've been doing in my work for the past couple of years, I use a lot of spreadsheets and data and stuff like that. And there are better ways to do it <laughs> or, or much more powerful ways. It's like, I'm always studying. I'm always doing programs. I'm always doing like, this is an actual paid program that I'm going through. And at the end, I'll, I'll end with a, what they call a nano degree. <laughs> Welcome to 2019. But <laughs> how many nano degrees equals one regular degree? <laughs> is a nano degree smaller than an AA? And how many nano degrees equal an AA? How many equal a BA? I don't know. How many nano degrees in a mini degree? Oh my gosh! And are they physically smaller when they print them? Like I actually prefer card my size. micro agree. Agree. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> so, like, I'm legit studying still. Uh, I've done. Damn! Like after I did my my bachelor in science, and then I did three quarters of an MBA. Then I did my master's in counseling. Then I did one year of a PhD, but I changed my mind. And then I kept applying to another one and never got in. And over the years, like I've done a whole bunch of, like as a, as a therapist, I trained at the Albert Ellis Institute in New York as like other things. I took other sorts of trainings uh, in different places. Like, I don't know. I think I feel like you constantly have to be learning uh, to be, to not only stay competitive, but to, I don't know, like, I think, I think you're going to have a much easier time when you graduate if, you, if, you, if you're current, right? Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. like, my, my bachelor's degree is super obsolete at this point. It was a technology degree, and I can't really do much with that now. Uh, and it's kind of sad. But, again, these are all things that, that we've, we've all dealt with. We're at different stages in our lives. People in the community are dealing with this. I've, I've had people ask me, like, oh, like, I want to I wanna help people. I want to I be a therapist. And I'm like, oh, let's talk this over. <laughs> There are, there are different things that we can that we can do, and I think it's important to have these conversations, talk about what the schooling is like, what to expect after. But I also want to be able to help people to put different things together and get more creative and think of – like in your job right now, Brandon, you are probably very limited in a lot of the things that you can do based on the population and the agency that you're at, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Laura, you have an incredible amount of flexibility now that you did mm-hmm. not have before. Right. Now you There's can so, pretty like, much do whatever the fuck you want. I still have doors. to figure out. I, yeah, I still have to figure out as far as decorating my office, what I can do. And I've, I did pull some of my cool stuff into my office to kind of geek it up. But like, I don't know if I can put stuff on my wall yet or not. But as far as practicing therapy... I can do whatever I want as long as it works for the client. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's like an unspoken thing uh, publicly among therapists, but like once that door is closed, like pff, whatever <laughs> therapists practice very, very differently. So you have a lot of flexibility and a lot of, um, 
like newfound liberty <laughs> yes. in 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 your job and and in and how you'll be able to to work with clients. Yeah, uh, I had some liberty before. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, I had to focus specifically on behavior and how to change behavior. But even in that lens, I had a lot of freedom. But this is this is different. Like, I don't have to worry about talking about aggressive behavior or anything like that. I can talk to clients about. I had a conversation this week. We talked about the zombie apocalypse and being ready for the zombie apocalypse. Like, that was pretty cool. <laughs> you know, with like 30 clients a week, you can you can talk about all sorts of stuff. Absolutely. I can have the <laughs> best conversations. Very different conversations. Yeah. Yeah. It's very hard conversations. But uh, there's a lot of... That's, that's an opportunity each week to meet 30 people and do a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. Lauren, I think we need to start like some weekly meetings or something to try to like help you focus or try some stuff out so we can oh God. help you <laughs> stop avoiding it. <laughs> oh. So we're getting on it now. But there's no reason to wait till you graduate either. Wouldn't it be nice if I just didn't? And then when I graduated, something miraculously just fell into my lap at the perfect time. <laughs> Kind of like my job when I got yeah. my license. <laughs> uh, look, I don't want to plan. I want to be lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's fine too. That's fine. You can, that's a strategy. No, no you're you're totally right, Hussey. It is something that I need to think about, and it, and it is something that I've uh have been considering. In that, like, I want to start reaching out and making you know, social connections with with people in or adjacent to the stuff that I want to do, you know, both to, to connect with people I'm intrigued by, but also as like, you know, potential people who have jobs or know people who have jobs. Um, but also uh, dealing with anxiety and depression and a lack of funding, It um, it's super duper hard to try and do networking stuff and grad school at the same time i have a lot of uh angry thoughts about that that are (laughs) directed towards academia in general but um it is uh it is definitely something that um i have struggled with where uh it it is anxiety provoking so instead of actually trying to deal with it i will just ignore it i will that's a problem for future lauren (laughs) Mm -hmm. present lauren is eating a snack Let's get a GoFundMe going to get Lauren to GDC next year. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, sneak me in in your, your trench coat. I can I can give a, you know, maybe not up on my shoulders, but we could do a piggyback ride. I don't know. I think, I think we could probably work on her belief <laughs> and her feelings uh, toward uh, networking. I think it would be more effective. But I don't know. Maybe that's a therapist in me. <laughs> I mean, as as much as I have been struggling with that aspect, I I do have to give myself some props. Um, I how do I want to phrase this? Um, I had a big moment the other day where I was really thinking about the GT community and my participation in it as a content creator and as a fan and as a participant in the community. And um, I realized I had been really unconsciously undervaluing all of that stuff. And it was like kind of a real big moment to sit down and be like, whoa, wait, actually, I've put out like hundreds of hours of podcasts now and and I have guested on podcasts and people legitimately respond uh you know with vulnerability and and genuineness to the things that i say in you know on twitter and in the discord and everything on the forums and as i said earlier it's like it's hard to do the networking stuff but that's sort of undervaluing that i I am doing networking stuff by being a part of this community with you all it is connecting me to people that can potentially connect me to jobs in the future that not only care about the same things that I do, which is why I assume most of you are here, but also like care about me, maybe, and want me to succeed. And that feels really good and nice. We love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's get back to what's in your brain and how and how you've been putting stuff out. And Oh, just a lot basically. of slop. <laughs> <laughs> Some gack. 
<laughs> you know, I yeah. I like to see or, or I like to view the content that we make as building a portfolio. Mm-hmm. It's something that we can always go back to. Um, yeah, that's that's something I've heard you say before. And at the yeah. time I was like, yeah, that's totally true. But I don't think I really like actually brought that into myself until very <laughs> recently where like, oh, wait, no, I have like hours of me talking about, you know, psychology and video games. Like I can't yeah. pretend that I'm an imposter here. I'm literally <laughs> already doing the thing. Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and at times, right? Like, I mean, one of the first episodes that you were on Headshots with me, we spoke about Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. And a report, someone who was writing for Vice Games reached out to us. I was like, oh, like, like that really got me thinking. And like, I'd like to get some quotes for an article. And I mean, uh, Laura and I have participated in a few books. Right. Mm-hmm. People reach out and like, oh, like, I know that you know about this stuff because I've heard you talk about it. I've read what you've written. Um, like, I'm glad that Laura, uh, that Lara is is blogging again, because mm-hmm. I think that that stuff really matters and it opens doors. And I love podcasting. I love it as a medium. I love it as an educational tool. I love it as a community building tool. A part of me would love to work more in podcasting. And I'm always uh, applying to jobs. I've interviewed with NPR shows. Like I've I've come close. It's I've come close, but I haven't gotten there yet. Because like independent podcasting is a little different than like the big boys. <laughs> we don't have the money or uh, the resources to make something as highly produced as some of these other uh, shows. So like what we have is limited. So this idea of what we are talking about, what we're saying, is valuable is just so, so important. And again, I think you never know what doors it'll open, but I love this idea of that portfolio where, again, somebody, often I hear people talk about an idea and I'm like, oh yeah, we covered that in this episode or we covered that in detail here. And before that, like I prepared a lot for it because because that's like, I love doing that. It's like, it's like homework, but it's, but I, but I love it. It's fun homework. And that's that's one option, right? I mean, there are many different ways that you can you can network, and many different ways that you can uh, do stuff. But I think I think that yeah, idea you can of, play a video game with Josue, and that's networking. That is it sure networking. is mm-hmm. damn right. It's gonna open a lot of doors for you. <laughs> just just friend me. <laughs> uh, I I think it's important to have those extracurriculars right <laughs> to like it, it's just like when you were in school it's like well you know the, the the colleges really like to see that you're in clubs and stuff like that and i think that this stuff really matters and and like the idea behind the network is that we can help lift each other up we can help each other reach more people we can yeah we can bring in people who who care about the same things and who are professionals and i don't know i think I'm very, very proud of what we've built, and every day I'm prouder because more people join in, more people see value in what we're doing, more people uh, connect. It's so funny uh, in the Facebook group recently, someone asked, like for a, for I think it was a therapy recommendation, and someone replied and said, "You're gonna have to be more specific. This group is worldwide." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Damn right, we have people all around the world," um, and there, I don't know, there, there's something. I, th- I think it's important professionally, right? Like to, uh, sticking to the professional part to know other people, to connect with people who have similar interests because you never know what that's going to lead to. You never know. Like O'Connor lived in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I just happened to move there. And now we're friends. And But he's like, he, he had built this thing for comic books and therapy. And the only reason we really met was because we ended up living in the same place. And we took advantage of an opportunity. And there's there are tons of opportunities out there uh, that you can take advantage of. I feel good about where Lara is right now. I think I think that uh, Brandon is like you have to go through this part right <laughs> where you are now. Um, it's part of it's part of the learning experience. It's part of the licensure experience. Like mm-hmm. all this stuff is stuff that you have to go through. But that doesn't mean that we can't become Twitch superstars together, mm-hmm. right? Because you know I think I think that there are some. People have some crazy ideas about what uh, they they might want to do, and I don't think I don't think they're that crazy at all. 
I think that there are lots of examples of people doing um, things that you would never believe. Like, <laughs> I was watching uh, Colbert the other day, uh, Stephen Colbert, and he's he's saying uh, he had Idris Elba on, and they were talking about the movie Cats, and <laughs> Idris Elba said that uh, they had a consultant on set who is an expert in how humans can move as cats. Oh my, that's amazing. <laughs> like Steven said something like, wow, that woman's been waiting her whole life for this movie to happen. <laughs> 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 and I think that those, those um, crazy ideas or goals are not crazy. And even if they don't end up becoming like, for example, I would love to work for NPR or one of these huge um, podcasting companies and be a part of, of, building you know of a team that builds like programming super high quality super like reaches you know around the world i would i would love to be a part of that but not everybody can be but those skills and that desire has led to all the stuff that we've built with geek therapy so like i I have no regrets and every time you know the more we do this the more the more practice i get that i think the better Mm -hmm. we all get at it i think that's really important but lauren man we need to we need to focus you in a little on something (laughs) I have some ideas, some ideas, stuff we can talk about. Like right now, I'm, I basically work um, freelancing. I do contracts. I do, for the most part, I go by uh, my title is a design researcher, which means that companies pay me to do research <laughs> and to talk to people and to find out what their motivations are and to see what their interests are. And then I also look at technology and see how people are interacting with it. You see all of these things that I'm talking about, we could do with gaming, right? Uh, very, very uh, like, like the connections are very clear. I do this mostly from the comfort of my own home and I do it as, as independently. And that's not something that I imagine doing, 15 years. Shit, how long ago did I graduate high school? Uh, <laughs> that was a long time ago, Josue. Did you graduate, Dad, 2001? Yeah. That's 18 years 18 ago. 18 years ago, right? I didn't imagine 18 years ago that I would be podcasting and doing design research from home and while simultaneously, like, I don't know, like, geek therapy is so huge, too, right? There's so many things that, that we're doing. I don't know. There's, mm-hmm. I really, I, I wanted this conversation to be, to cover our different experiences to give people an idea of you don't, you don't know (laughs) what the future holds, but I think it helps to have goals or be clear on what your desires are, but also be willing to adapt and be flexible. Like Brendan, you said like you were going to be a professor and they were like, Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll be a clinician. And you know what? You can change your mind back. Someday mm-hmm. you may become a professor. Someday you may do nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> neither, right? Um, not That's nothing. The goal. Neither, neither. <laughs> the goal <laughs> is to do nothing, but you may do neither. <laughs> yeah, right. let's just abolish work. Nah, man, I don't. I don't agree. It, I don't I agree. Mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, if the system in Star Trek works, I would like that. Like, no money, but work to better better yourself and better others. Like, let's do that. That's complicated. That's a whole other conversation. Also, we did a couple <laughs> podcasts on that on PsychTech, which you can check out, which talks all about the future um, of work and technology and how it affects people. See, I already did that one. You can check it out. <laughs> cool. I, we don't have to recover that. Yeah. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see. What else has, has come up in the in the Discord about this that I think is relevant? Um, I have an angle. Give me. Yeah. Uh, being in a job that you really enjoy and it's where you want to be and it's what you were aiming for. And then the experience actually sucks. That's really tough to deal with. That is really tough to deal with. I think that's most people. And if you're not there now, you'll eventually get there. I think there's a difference between like, (laughs) oh, you know, I, my expectations weren't met and now I'm slightly disappointed. And also like I got legitimately everything I wanted and now I am cursed. (laughs) I think there's a distinction there. What's the distinction exactly? Which one? The distinction is one is like, okay, yeah, real life, you know, your expectations aren't always going to be met. Like, okay, that's, that's just being in a world in a society but uh 
you know, getting the job that you want and then having a supervisor that is so awful that you can't actually do your job and you take heat for doing your job badly and all of these other things that pile up. I think that can be so awful to the point that it can kill all of the passion that you had for it in the first place. And that's sucks. Um, I don't know that I have an answer for that, but it is something that legit happens. I mean, I was talking to my sister earlier today and she was talking about, you know, being in a job where she's she's doing the thing that she wants to do. She's writing, but she's not writing the type of writing she wants to be doing. And it's sapping all of the life force out of her and making her feel like she can't actually do the thing that she is already. She's like, maybe I'm not actually good at writing. And I'm like, no, it's your job sucks. And it makes you feel bad about yourself. But actually, you're great. And the thing that you love, you're still good at. And you do still love it. It's just this particular situation is real bullshit. Again, I, I think I think most people get to that point eventually if they're not there right now. Uh, 80% of people, I think, is usually the statistic that hate their job. Oh, the wow. reasons vary greatly. But yeah, they can. And, and a lot of things change. Like... Out of college, out of out of uh, undergrad, I literally got my dream job. I got my dream job right out of college. I left after two months because <laughs> I was like, oh, there's no mobility here. I'm not going to get paid. I actually got paid less at my dream job than I did than when I was uh, an intern. <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was heartbreaking. And then I ended up doing other stuff because sometimes you have to do stuff for the money for the health insurance, for a whole bunch of other reasons. And then you go and you try to do something. Let's see, I've been laid off from a job that I really liked. I've been... Uh, now, there's a caveat. Like, I think that you shouldn't be afraid to send out resumes. And, I mean, if you like, if you don't mind going back and living with your parents for, for a little bit while you are able to get away from that uh, toxic uh, job that you had before... If, you, if you're able to take a hit on your lifestyle, you, you're going to have way more uh, opportunities and possibilities. But, like, coming from me, like, I don't have kids. I don't own a home. Like, Brian from Rolling for Change once called me a nomad. I was like, yeah, you're right. I just, I just constantly moving around. Like, I don't have that much to carry with me. So, at many times, I've, I've seen things in an office place, and I have spoken up when other people would not have and i've taken the complete brunt of the consequences that come with standing up for something uh and lots of times like you don't because because you have that mortgage or you have kids and and so like i completely understand that sometimes these things are hard but also my mom is, is an example of someone who who had all those responsibilities and still was able to like go to school at night and switch jobs when when it was required and i and i think that if you look for it you'll find lots of examples of people who can do it who are in in, in similar situations as you office places suck like right now i'm able to work on my own but i still work with clients like that's still <laughs> people are people like some clients are better than others some work is better than than others even working for yourself is not uh, ideal at times and it's hard out there but I think that if people are not afraid to make a change, that is good. Like it, it sucks to feel stuck, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it sucks to feel like you can't do anything about it. I think that most of the time we're not as stuck as we think we are. There's just, we don't like the alternatives. Sometimes the alternative is you have to put time into updating your resume or you have to... Resumes suck. <laughs> I recently told someone uh, that I would no longer like uh, play or podcast with them or do anything until they, they fix their resume. It's like, <laughs> all the time we spend doing this, you could have been doing that other thing. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's... There, this is like this for me is, is therapy, right? This for me is energizing. But also, like, there are sometimes other things that you, you just got to do. Um, mm-hmm. But there's definitely no solution. Like, like work sucks. Like, one of my uh, things I would love to do is work within like that type of organizational psychology, right? Where you where you can help improve 
a a workspace and i don't mean like adding bean bags and ping pong tables i mean like <laughs> the stuff that really matters you know we don't ask people what they want to do or what they're able to do we don't we don't capitalize on people's strengths we don't consider their weaknesses and now you can say blame it on capitalism right but it's like that machine oh, you, you felt me saying it in my head huh <laughs> right when you're trying to just right you're a cog in that wheel you just you just got to conform but but there are other options there are other ways to do things there are other things to do again like Laura you're in a situation now where a lot of therapists want to be in a situation like where you are right now this this right now for me is the dream yeah, this is yeah, the dream like exactly. when i was worried about leaving the place i was working before there was a lot of toxicity going on, but the office I was in was like a family and it was really hard to leave that situation. I had a lot of flexibility. I could take off when I wanted and it was really hard to leave. And I'd been there for 10 years and I'm, te- I'm still terrified to have left. I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. But when I was, um, when I was applying for this job, I showed you, Josue, I showed you the, the place and you were like, is this what you thought you were going to be doing when you got out of school? And I said, yeah. You were like, run, go, <laughs> do it. <laughs> uh, and so far, the clients have been great. The people I work with are great. It's quiet to me because I'm in my office by myself mm-hmm. instead of where I was working was a kind of a, it was an open office. There were six of us and we would laugh and joke and listen to music and and show each other memes all day. And now I have like, five minutes every hour to text people unless I have a client that doesn't show and I'm kind of just on my own and the other people are in the office but it's just like hi bye while they walk by very weird to me kind of isolating which is why I've been texting you a lot more on my lunch break (laughs) (laughs) but I am enjoying myself I just keep waiting for for something to happen like i said the other shoe to drop like where is the bad part of this dream job like where where's oh, it gonna happen oh i could list like a thousand things that could go wrong and will please go wrong don't eventually <laughs> please don't if you really want me to <laughs> please please don't and then when i when i have something happen i'll be like oh this happened and you'll, you'll be like oh yeah i could have told you that <laughs> <laughs> i could have i can if you want Please, no, no. I want to be. I, I want to be in my own existential crisis about mm-hmm. my imposter syndrome and my I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, uh, kind of thing. Because I haven't until Monday. I hadn't seen clients since February. Whoa. Yeah, I hadn't seen clients since February, and then I jump into. I think I have 15 clients this week now. Oh, yeah. because you were in supervisor mode. Yeah, like, yeah, I was yeah. in the office supervising my staff and auditing charts and, and all of that. And so supervising has its own, like you're working with them on their client's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I wasn't a clinical supervisor, but there's still like, I have advice on how to handle situations and, and all these things. But it's definitely been a shift and... Mm-hmm. We'll we'll see where I'm at. I still feel like I'm flying by the seat of my pants every minute of every fifty minute hour, <laughs> and I I I'm sure it'll get a little easier once I've met all my clients, and then I'm not having to meet fifteen people in a week, like brand new people in a week. Uh, but I've always known since all the, for, throughout the ten years I've been doing the work I've been doing that. You almost never feel like you know what you're doing. Mm. Almost never. So I guess that's the takeaway from this episode. You never know what you're doing, even though you know what you're doing. (laughs) But you can do it. There's a good one, Brandon. You Mm. never know what you're doing, but you can do it. Uh, I do do want to (laughs) say some people just suck and and never actually... Uh, know what they're doing and uh, can can cause harm. Uh, other people are just unsure. <laughs> um, I think that with time, eventually you get comfortable um, when you're doing uh, the same thing over and over again. I mean, doing therapy is is has that very uh, there's this like novelty that comes with it. Like 
I, I, I think it's funny that you think you're not going to have new clients. Like it's like, no, gonna, I'm meaning you, like I'm no, no, I'm meaning I know that you mean, I, I'm not have, meeting those people like all in the same week. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know, but like you're constantly going to be meeting new people because clients come yeah. and go. Like th- th- that's something that just constantly happens unless you're a psychoanalyst and then you're seeing the same clients mm-hmm. two times, three times, four times a week for ten years, fifteen for ten, years, yeah, for twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a psychoanalyst. Yeah, yeah. For the record, yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, there, there, there are so many options out there. Um, I don't know. I, I hope that this was helpful. The community is full of people with very uh, um, a variety of experiences. If you have any concerns, doubts about this kind of stuff, you have more questions for us, I think we'd all be happy to, to answer, except Lauren, because uh, <clears throat> she doesn't know what she wants to do. But, but we'll get her there. We'll get her there. <laughs> Look, I can still talk shit out of my ass and have it sound useful and insightful and maybe you'll take something good out of it that I didn't even intend. Who knows? That's true. You never know what mm-hmm. the recipient is going gonna, is gonna to get from it. That's true. Yep. <laughs> good work. It's true in media. It's true in whatever comes out of Lauren's mouth. It's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the past, uh, I used to work a lot with students when I was in, in New York. I was involved in the um, mental health counselors association there. So I used to help a lot of people with resumes and, and just a lot of these doubts and things that come with, with job stuff. It's, it sucks. Uh, I get it, but I don't know. Again, I'm pretty optimistic just because I don't know if I shared my full story, but I I've done so many different things and I have no regrets looking back but at the time, I was freaking out every single time I had to do something at a job that I I knew was, I don't know, I'm being like cryptic, but <laughs> it's like I've gotten in trouble at, at various jobs for, for speaking out against things like child abuse or sexual harassment. But it all worked out in the end. It all worked out. And it worked out because, part because I had friends who I could talk to about it. I had uh like a community of people that I get, that I get access, a lot of networking, like I'm a, a lot of people over the years, family, friends. I mean, the job you got to do on your own, but all that support stuff is, is super, super important. And I hope some of this was helpful, at least to start a conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we need a jobs channel on the Discord now. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be nice. Get on the Discord. Do you think, do you think, do you think that's a good idea, Brandon? I'd ser- if you're not on the Discord, just get get over there and get on the discord and just talk to us about this stuff you know talk to us about jobs or or things you know that that maybe you're worried about or or career paths that you're considering or or school paths it's discord get on there and talk to us about it talk to everyone about it i i could look at the discord full time and i would never keep up with it there's so much good content on there so just get over there what can people talk about? Oh my! Okay, hold on one second. I'm grabbing my phone. They can talk about <laughs> they can talk about anything because there's literally a request channel where you can request any channel that you think you might need to add. So there is an infinite number of things you can talk about. Some of my favorites. I love the GT Network channel. I think that's usually really hopping. There's some good stuff. We've got Shower Thoughts. That's a fun one. Accomplishments. Go on there. Drop down the cool things that you're accomplishing. Get the GT community to remind you how awesome you are. Art therapy. Cute therapy. Those are really good. That's not your style. How about meme therapy? You can get anything. We've got Queer Corner. That's a good place if you want to go and talk about those types of topics or things going on there inspired by our our sweaty friend on this very show itself. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! There's a whole new section of applied channels, applied comics, applied tabletop, applied tabletop RPGs, video games, TV, film. That's cool. Fitness, mental health. How about entertainment? Is that your style? You've got anime. You've got comics. You've got everything you can imagine. Seriously. And that's like (laughs) a third of the channels. Get over there and get on the Discord and uh, let's just talk it out. Okay? Let's do it. That was the best ad for (laughs) Discord ever. It reminds me of those ads in like the 90s for like 
shoe barn or something mm-hmm. like you need some <laughs> shoes here's some shoes we got boots we got <laughs> we sneakers got boots, we got boots. heels <laughs> got blue ones green ones red ones yellow ones <laughs> come on down it's working it's working i think that you know some people have heard about the discord like a hundred times and finally this is the time we're like i'm gonna check out the discord it's brandon right. said to get on it i'm gonna get on the discord i'm gonna get ha- Get on, get on the Discord. Get on the yeah, Discord. Yeah, the, the, the Discord is great. There's a lot going on. Um, if you find that a little bit overwhelming, you can totally mute a bunch of channels mm-hmm. and not engage with those at all, and it's mm-hmm. totally fine. That's we okay. appreciate you, anyways. I suggest turning off your notifications. <laughs> yeah, and, and just catching up on whatever you want to catch up on, and ignore the rest. <laughs> I want to make a T-shirt that says "Get on the Discord." I love Do it. it. Uh, I'm I'm designing it now uh, because you can be a t-shirt designer too. You can be whatever you, you want when you grow up. You can do it. I think that's probably to circle back to just a sprinkle of seriousness before we just wrap this thing. <laughs> I think that is seriously one of the most helpful things that I think you continually remind me of, Josue, is that a part of the path that I'm on right now is that I have to grind for a while now. And that's just part of it. I have to get through this next year or so. After that, this is just a a job for me. Like, it's not like graduate school where I had to get to the end to kind of get that you know, that, that accomplishment or to finish the goal. It's just a job. And if I don't feel like I'm having my needs met or I'm not feeling fulfilled, I can just quit and I can just do anything. I don't have to be a psychologist or a therapist or anything. And that's okay. So I think that's one of the messages that I've I've gotten from you that's really helpful and freeing for me to just know that I'm not I don't have to do this forever if I've realized that I don't like it. I, I don't think that I don't like it. I do like it. I think I'm just overwhelmed and still struggling with the identity transition and things like that. But that is a really helpful piece for me that allows me to keep persevering in the face of some of the challenges and and existentialism that I am dealing with. As someone who stopped two degrees, like right in the middle and just left them, uh, and has left multiple jobs. Uh, like I would add that you don't even have to complete this part if you don't want to. I'm not saying you That's shouldn't. True. Like I'm just saying in general, <laughs> no, no one has to do the thing that they that they're sure that they have to do. The reason why I have that attitude, and I'm I'm, I'm glad that that resonated with you because I, I wish I heard it more often when I was um, when I was younger. Uh, what happened to me was like when I was in. I was an engineer making lots of money traveling the world. It was, it was great. Uh, I was, I was miserable and I went to my own therapist and I remember after working with a while uh, for, for a while with a therapist, she said, yeah, I don't see, <laughs> I don't think you're going to get like the, the way you feel about this job is going to change. So I think that if you want to remain there, uh, we should, we should get you to a psychiatrist and get, and get you on some medication. And that was when I realized like, oh, right. Like I feel uh, a certain way about the things happening at my job and the way it is that I would, that it, it's normal for people to get medicated to just continue. And, and I didn't, not that there's anything wrong with getting medication, but I considered the other option. I think many times we don't consider that there are other options. And so I found another job. I didn't, I didn't think that. And then after I found another job, I didn't need the medication to do that job. So, I mean, that's what's always in my mind. That's what I'm always thinking. Uh, I had an, an uncle once who told me it was, it was like not related to jobs. He was like, you know, it's not a sin to like move to another place. Mm-hmm. It's not a sin to do like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> he's, he's a, um, a church going man. So from him that, that meant something, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, we're really afraid to make changes sometimes and it, it's not a bad thing. It's um, it is an option, even though it can be very scary, but uh, there are other options. Yeah. And I, I want to add that with those options, with those choices, there are consequences that come with them. And that's something that 
that we have to think about. It's like, what is it that you want to accomplish? What are, what are your goals? And sometimes to achieve those goals, we have to go through some uncomfortable stuff. In, in my case, I've made choices that resulted in me not having a lot of the things that I, that I wanted or I thought I wanted. I don't have a big house. I haven't always lived where I wanted to live. I don't own very many things. Uh, I don't have a flashy car. Uh, I have a lot of student debt. <laughs> I, I had to file for bankruptcy a few years ago and I closed my private practice. But at the same time, so many of the things that I, that I did before, like you also don't lose them. Like because where I'm living right now and because of portability laws and other reasons, I'm not a licensed therapist where I live now, but I still have my degree and I still have years of experience. And if I want to, and I choose to, I can, I can go back to do that. Kind of like Brandon was saying before, we can, we can change our minds. Everything I, I learned and I did as an engineer has been essential in the work that I've continued to do. Even as a therapist, that's something I like to talk about a lot. And I don't know, a lot of those choices, at least for me, they allowed me to be mentally healthy enough to pursue other things that really mattered, you know, relationships and geek therapy. I mean, I get to teach everything that I learned as a therapist. I get to teach the things that I learned in educational technology and as an engineer to other people in a different framework, in the framework that I love, you know, and, and through this medium and through other stuff that we're developing. And I remember being in jobs where I was so miserable and so tired that I, I couldn't, like I didn't have the energy or even the, the will to do all of these other things that deep down in my heart I knew I really wanted to do or I thought were important. So I don't know. I just wanted to make sure that I, I said that because I think I think that it's kind of irresponsible of me if I say, you know, there are other options and there are other things that you can do. But then, you know, I, I didn't mention that it's not always going to turn out great. But I think that there are a lot of things that are worth trying or worth doing differently. And... And yeah, I don't know. I'm rambling. <laughs> so, so yeah, again, I think, I think this geek therapy thing has potential. We could all just stop doing <laughs> what we're doing and, you know, mm-hmm. do that. We'll see. <laughs> we'll work on it. <laughs> Maybe. You can't yeah. afford me, Hoswang. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not yet anyway. <laughs> not, 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 not since Monday. Yeah, I know. Should have jumped on it sooner. Well, yeah, I hope uh, I hope something resonated, um, even something that Lauren said, maybe. Uh, <laughs> 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 this is what I get for not coming prepared. <laughs> Professor Josue is dunking on me in class. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Again, I hope this this was. Uh, helpful and address some of the things that we've been seeing in the, in the discord and maybe some of our own personal <laughs> crises remember to geek out do good we'll be back next week we love you bye this episode was brought to you in part by our patreon supporters we'd like to say a very special thank you to our patreon producers this month ben Booney, jamila john cat lydia and to those of you who have opted out from the shout out thank you too To learn more about how to support Geek Therapy and gain access to exclusive content like the Lost RPG episode we've mentioned a few times, visit patreon.com slash geektherapy.